Welcome dear listeners to this week's afternoon satsang. This is Prem and Arvind from Team Radio Sai welcoming you to this week's episode of Ramkatha Swaini. The past couple of weeks we had spoken of a generic topic. So we are back to the Ramkatha Swaini, the beautiful story of Ramayana as penned beautifully by our dear Lord. So before we continue with the story, we were at a point where the guests of Ayodhya, Vibhishana, Sugriva and all the other main heroes of the army of the Vanaras, after having come back to Ayodhya to attend the coronation ceremony of Lord Rama, have returned. We saw that they stayed for six months. But before we progress in the story, as always, we will begin with chanting of the name of the dear Lord Rama in the most necklace voice of one of our bhajan singers. Sri Rama Rama Rame Ti Rame Rame Manorame Sahasra Nama Tatuyam Rama Nama Varanane Sairam, dear listeners, and beautiful days are here in the story of Ramayana as well as in Prashantinelium. Right now we are celebrating the magnificent Navratri, the Dasara festival, the Gram Seva has begun. The uh, discourses and talks by different members of the student community, the staff and the elders, that has begun in the Kulvant Hall every evening. And of course... The highlight, the Yagnam, has started in the Purnachandra Auditorium and every day today we have completed the second day. So it's definitely a festival of devotion, a festival of action and a festival of rumination over wisdom that has begun at Prashantinelium. And for those of you who aren't aware, it has been a beautiful start because I think it was about three or four days ago when some of the members... Uh, walking around the mandir for the Nagar Sankirtan early in the morning noticed something uh, red, reddish on a huge 15 feet laminated photograph of Bhagwan that has been put up on the wall right next to the security office at the Gopuram gate and uh, uh, to their pleasant surprise they understood that it was Kumkum the news spread and Prem, uh, I'm sure you would also seen it it has become a sort of a uh, mini Ganesh temple uh, at the Gopuram gate because I say Ganesh temple because at the Ganesh temple any time of the day you go you will find definitely a few people there offering their prostration salutation standing and you know praying that's what has started to happen right in front of the security office now because it was not just the flow of Kumkum on that day the Kumkum that is coming out of that photograph seems to be increasing with each passing day now if we see 
it's a photograph of swami blessing with both his hands in a white robe the lower half of his robe is completely red and you know that photograph is almost 20 feet above the ground and it's about 15 feet in height it has been encased in a wooden case with a glass in front and you know it's amazing that swami chooses to shower his blessing from that picture and everybody is thrilled so that's why dear listeners that is something like a kind of an emotional boost that all of us have received at prashantinilyam as we are going through the dasara festival and definitely it is a very happy time in the story also because the war is complete and the lord is back at ayodhya the people of ayodhya are happy all the people who helped helped lord rama are happy and some of the most beautiful times as we read the ramkatha rasavahini it feels like how swami would be in kodaikanal or brindavan during the vacation where it is proximity and a shower of grace of course that has been recorded here as summer showers in brindavan or summer roses in the blue mountains in that manner but this was literally like summer showers in ayodhya where rama showered a lot of wisdom a lot of proximity a lot of intimacy to a lot of people and so beautiful times and once again it's so perfect that we are discussing this story the story of how the ramarajya flourished after the war with ravana during the time of dasara which is actually celebrated to mark the victory of lord rama over lord ravana or the victory of dharma over adharma right in the story of ramayana the dashara is actually over and we are in that part as you said the the very very famed ramarajya and in fact swami reveals how that ramarajya came to be you know we take it for granted saying that after all rama was the lord and he became the king and obviously the kingdom had to be perfect but this is more or less that part of the story where swami says that you know how does a king actually bring about uh, righteousness in his kingdom and swami plays speaks about that and i mean definitely it's it's been as you said very very beautiful uh, dashara for all of us because kumkum is always special for dashara you know for those of us who, who used to the celebrations and the way they happen in uh, we see that there's a kumkum abhishekam which happens every day from the day navratri starts in fact it starts even before the prashanti vidwan mahasabha and the uh, yagnam yagnam starts because yagnam starts only on the third day or the second day right so that is one thing and so in fact this entire period starting from that day of uh, the day navratri begins and for about 10 to 15 days after navratri if you just walk past the bhajan hall you'll get the smell of kumkum because one is the abhishekam going on and after that the packing of the Uh, kumkum. kumkum which is used for Yagshatham right? so even if you go near the water cooler if you go into the Vajinol you will get that beautiful fragrance of turmeric and uh, kumkum you know, which, is, which is really characteristic of uh, Tashra celebrations and you know what I feel that this part of the story that we are going into now is actually less of a story and more of a description and uh, as we read the description of how the kingdom was it feels so much in sync with what is happening in prashantinilyam today because today if you see today i mean in this dasara fortnight i'm saying because if you see the whole day is packed if you wish to you can fill your day with sai because there are so many sai or yeah your chosen form of god because there are so many avenues so many things to do it's almost like you know a person who is wishing to be part of 
everything that is connected to the celebration will find it tough to find time to have food and take rest because that is how it is packed and if we go through this chapter in the ramkatha rasavahini we see that in various ways rama is directing not only his family uh, and his uh people who are physically close to him in the darbar but even the citizens of the kingdom of ayodhya into spending their time like this he he exhorts on the ephemeral nature of worldly pursuits and says that one must direct all the energies all the time all the resources that one has towards spiritual uh, towards a spiritual pursuit because that alone will grant us what we seek in life and that's why i say it is so beautiful that we are talking about this now because in prashantilyam that is the atmosphere that is right now there one who wishes to engage in spiritual pursuit take a sample of yesterday you know morning it begins uh, quite early with the suprabhatam and nagar sankirtan after that gets over even the mandir session begins early 8 o'clock the yagnam began once that gets once that once the aarti is complete in purnachandra auditorium there is the next aarti in kulwant hall by the time you have the darshan of the sai sannidhi and you walk out it's almost 11:30 it's time for lunch take have lunch take a little break before lunch you know there is this option of the satsang hall talk where you can go and listen to one hour satsang between 10:30 to 11:30 and then you go have your lunch take a brief rest and back to mandir where there's again talk there's a discourse after discourse there's a cultural program which is entertainment pushing you towards spirituality again so you see the whole day is packed in this beautiful manner and as i said that is exactly what rama is also saying here it is almost like ravana had come that was a kind of a uh, a glitch or a move away from a standard schedule that one should have so yeah i went there finished ravana it's now back to this back to business this is where we have to focus on and it appears as if swami also wanted to give a, a, a strong emphasis on this part because as i said there is hardly any story as such happening here and yet swami has completed one entire chapter in the different directions guidelines and message that lord shri rama is giving very true i think that that's why i was talking about you know one thing is to take ramraja for granted but the other thing is how it was created and how it was sustained hmm. because all through you know there's the other major incident which we'll come to probably that's the last important thing which happens in the ramkatha rasvaini but there again you know how the leader actually shows the way how the leader sets a standard so high that for ages to come we are not able to reconcile to the standard which was set by lord rama and you know that is that is the essence of a society because once i was listening to a talk by somebody who was uh, describing you know what way indian society even today is different right even today what makes it stand stand apart from uh, probably a completely materialistic society even though we are pretty much for all definitions are a materialistic materialistic society mm-hmm. but he say you know the speaker was saying that you know we still live in a society where if a person gives away all his possessions and becomes a renunciant he gives more he gets more respect than one who has achieved everything so he says a society which looks at giving up possessions as the highest achievement will always create conducive environment for people to pursue spiritual goals that's a beautiful point right because when you when you're talking about uh, you know the various number of activities you can do in prashantinilam that is that is what is the special speciality of an ashram itself that's what is 
makes Swami's ashram stand out. That all through you are kind of encouraged to take on uh, activities which will help you progress spiritually. So a king who wants to set up a, uh, a kingdom which is ideal in all respects will have to create that kind of an atmosphere in his, in his kingdom where you know you can pursue what you want. If you want to be a businessman, you pursue what you want. If you want to uh, be an artisan or an artist, whatever you want, you pursue. But what is most respected in the society is somebody who lives a righteous life, somebody who is able to rise above these materialistic uh, you know, pulls and pushes. When you create a society where these things are respected, automatically you are creating a conducive environment for spiritual progress. I remember when I joined grade 11 in 1998, um, I was given my uh, room and a cupboard. It was so thrilling actually, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because the previous school that I had studied from, it was another Swami school in Kerala, Sri Satyasai Vidya Sri Shailam. There, we didn't have brain, we didn't have our own cupboard. We just had a sleeping space mm-hmm. and one open crevice in the, not a crevice, an opening in the wall made of concrete that's where you can store your stuff. So, throughout the year, we would be living off from the suitcases Suitcase. itself. Yes. And so, this was such a wonderful thing. So, I felt that this is how it is, you know, as you come closer to the Lord, your comforts also increase. But then, you know, while uh, storage and such things were good, I noticed that there was no fan in the uh, room. <laughs> and I was wondering, why is it that a hostel that is able to provide you with such top class um, bathrooms, for example. We have showers, very comfortable, very beautifully tiled. They are so wonderful. So, it, so why is there no fan in the room? You know, Because uh, <laughs> it doesn't look like it's an economic problem. In the case of the other school that I was talking about, Probably it was partially economics also that made uh, it difficult. But here it's not economics. So I used to wonder why. That is when, you know, when I asked somebody, they told me that be happy that the lobby, the lobby is uh, all the rooms lead out to the common passage. The common passage culminates in the lobby of of every floor in the hostel. The lobby has got fans. Be happy. I said, how how does that (laughs) make me happy? They say... You can go actually to the lobby, spread your bed there and sleep under the fan. Oh, okay. So, that is the thing. But if you sleep in the lobby, you know, you have to get up early in the morning. You have to get up early in the morning. You have to be the first to rise because that's the common walking space. So, you should be earlier than the earliest riser who is walking along with his bucket to go to the bathroom and all that. So, now you have to choose between uh, an extra 45 minutes of sleep which you can get in the room but without the fan. Or you have to sleep in the lobby and reduce your sleep, but you have a fan and comfort. Today, when I look back, I just feel that it was Swami's way of saying that, of course, you will get all your comforts, but even when you have the ability to get all the comforts, you need to make some kind of a sacrifice if you have to progress spiritually. Because I don't think Swami lacks in any way in giving even air-conditioned rooms for each one of us. But Swami never meant it that way. Never did it that way. In fact, I remember reading in a discourse. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't remember which discourse exactly. But Swami has said that this place, Prashantin Liam, is to cater for your spiritual growth. And if you are looking at it as a holiday destination, as a comfortable place, you know, because we often find ourselves complaining, saying, what is this, accommodation is not so good. Oh God, the people sometimes are rude, they are not treating me well. I mean, we want to be treated like guests in a five-star hotel. 
and swami saying in that discourse that if this is what you want then this is the wrong place you're coming please don't come here go to a five star hotel that's where you'll be treated like this so i just shared all this because i today i realized that as a student as uh, in the school in the college and even as a staff though it's not a big deal for swami or for the trust to simply give whatever we need for what we think is a comfortable life purposely something is withheld because therein lies the secret towards permanent peace and happiness because you don't get it in these material objects what you get it is only in spirituality and the first step in spirituality is sacrifice as you beautifully said a society which looks up to giving up everything is indeed a spiritual society because that's the first step in fact that step alone is enough to take you as swami says na karmana na prajaya dhanena tyage naike by sacrifice alone amrutatva manushu you will attain immortality so you know it just thrills me that something that we consider as so difficult swami has so beautifully blended into the system and made it part of the system that's exactly what we see rama also doing here because unless it is made part of the system and unless it is appreciated you know unless you appreciate somebody who gives up at the first step people won't be encouraged to give up see that is the advantage that is the great blessing we have in being born in india because as you rightly said when we give up we are appreciated and more so in prashant nilayam we as our heroes you look at your heroes you look at my heroes they are all heroes who have actually given up great things for the lord not who have garnered huge things i think that says it all right absolutely in fact you know talking about uh, the comforts and all that see when uh, when you're talking about the hostel when you're talking about the ashram invariably people who came to sami knew that you know the basis of the entire sacrifice or whatever we thought we were doing in the name of sacrifice had as its center you know sami's form and sami's love or that thirst for sami's love you know which was the driving force for anything else hmm. i was listening to the uh, interview which we had done quite some time back with uh, ms rani java you know the daughter of hmm. uh, the businessman mr java who used to come to sami in the earlier years the owner of the joy, joy ice cream factory, ah. right <clears throat> so she was telling how been there from a family which is which was one of the top industrialists in the country in the 60s and uh, 70s you know like in the range of the tatas and billas and that sort of a very very enormously wealthy family and she would say that I mean, she was actually she had a paralysis and a polio attack when she was a kid mm-hmm. so that's how they start coming to swami and the father doesn't come you know till then father never comes but eventually she comes and gets cured and because she's cured her mother insists that father comes and you know pays his gratitude to swami because he swami has cured your daughter you better come and at least thank him Hmm. so he being a typical uh, englishman in his upbringing he felt you know that was the thing which he couldn't uh, deny that somebody has helped you you have to go and thank that person so that's how he comes and you know she describes it's unimaginable that her father would come and sleep under a tree like this spreading a bedsheet you know in the open and lying there and going to the chitavati to have bath in the morning and going behind the hills for morning uh, you ablutions know uh, ablutions and, and things like that but you know after that after that initial hesitation to take on to swami i mean it was so easy for them to live a life like that because here was swami and this swami had something which all their wealth could not buy right you know after being such a rich man he could get doctors from switzerland who could treat his daughter but here was swami who cured his daughter so automatically that idea that you know i can spend all my life gathering all this wealth 
But here is Swami who can give me things which are much, much more greater than all that I can, you know, earn with my own effort. So when that person becomes the center of your life, it's not sacrifice. It's it's almost like prioritization. You just leave behind what is not lucrative anymore and then you come to Swami. And that's precisely what Rama is doing. And that is what Swami describes in this part of the Ramayana because that 14 years of yearning for Rama has really made that space they had for Rama in their heart even more eager to hold hold him on and you know uh, keep him as that center and listen to whatever uh, he says and literally Rama keeps that as the basis of whatever he's telling them he says if you want to be dear to me listen to me this is what I'm going to tell you this is what makes me happy this is what will bring you close to me that is another point I think we should take as a message for each one of us because how the Ayodhya Vasis would have felt during those 14 years when Rama was not there because it was not as if they got updates as to whether when is Rama coming back whether he's alive or not they had no clue they just had to wait in faith I feel that's a similar situation we all are in now today actually we see the statistics it is uh, at sometimes disheartening because the people who used to uh, rush in droves to do for example Prashanti Seva as Seva Dal many if not many, some of them at least are backing off because what's the use now? Anyway, there is no Swami. Though they don't state it explicitly, that is the feeling why they don't come with. In fact, uh, there was a point in time when Swami used to give Padnamskar and Vibhuti to every person who is doing Seva in any place. Those days were the times when maximum number of people, including yours humbly, came. I also came. I also wanted to do some Seva because I wanted to get that. But you know, Prem, that has been the last <laughs> Sevadal duty I ever did, serving water in the canteen for one year, that's all. Because that was the last year Swami gave Padnamskar. And at that age and time, I just felt, and now what is the use of doing anyway? You don't get it. But in my defense, I was a child. And I think I'm forgiven to think like that. But how long will we remain children? How long will we think that as long as Swami's physical frame is there, then alone He can reward me for the work I do? Based on what we have interacted with a few people who have been serving, who have been doing work as Sevadal, even in these years when Swami is not here, you get tears in your eyes and I just wish to tell people who think that, you know, if Swami is physically not there, what benefit do we get? Just you see the lives of these people, you know. They they are so happy, they are so contented, they are oozing that kind of Swami's love. I am telling you, just meet them once and you will envy them for the opportunity of seva that they are getting. You know, it clears the blindfold in front of our eyes where we think that, uh, oh, now Swami is not there. What is the use? I think that is one more point where we should we should take from the Ramkata Rasavahini that how the Ayodhya Vasi spent 14 years in faith and at the end their faith was redeemed. Rama did come back. They had no clue how he would do it, but he did it. In the same way, we have no clue how Swami will come back or how we will get him. But I think we should hold on in faith and continue to do with the same enthusiasm and vigor, at least what we were doing so far. Otherwise, we would be nothing short of hypocrites, right? I mean, talking about uh, the way you serve Swami, invariably Hanuman will come in when we talk about it. But you know... Even as you were describing, I feel, you know, there are three types of ways people would come and serve. And even now, as you were saying, that one was that you're getting something from Swami. Swami is giving a Padnamaskar, Swami is giving a Vibhuti. You know, there are some people who came for that. Even today, some people come as a feeling of, you know, I've received so much from Swami, this is my payback. 
right? That's mm. that is also noble in, in a sense. But even that sometimes falters when probably the idea steps in that I've done enough. Hmm. No? I, I finished my <laughs> right. loan repayment. Yeah, I've done enough, and you know I've done sevadal duty for 20 years, 25 years. Uh, you know, some people feel that I've been a staff in the ashram for 25 years. Right? You know, th- that kind of attitude might come in. But Swami was telling in one of the discourses which Swami gave uh, devotees in the bhajan hall. You know, hmm. that's a very special discourse. Sometimes Swami would give. In that discourse, Swami said, you know, the way to progress forward is. Yes, sometimes you have to look at everything that you do as you know payback, but when you do everything as with with a sense of gratitude, which is endless, you know where do you say that Swami's influence on my life has stopped? Where do you say that from till 2000 I received from 2011 I received from Swami? Now I've stopped receiving from Swami. Mm. You know that is where you look at Swami as that body and. There is no devotion in that. There is only a clear give and take. A business, right? When it's purely gratitude, Swami said you will do everything as an expression of gratitude. And Swami said that is when devotion becomes perfect. You will not do anything to receive anything, but you will do everything only as I've received so much. I'm just going to give back, and my life is not enough. But in another discourse, Swami says, but even higher than that is when you see that your life is sanctified only when it is spent this way. So that way you have removed yourself totally from give and take at all. You're saying that you know I have my life in front of me. How am I best going to utilize it? And that's why I said you you can't help but talk about Hanuman. You know when you are in that attitude, you're serving when the Lord is there. You're serving when the Lord is not there, and you will serve forever, even when told to stay back and say that you know you take care of my devotees whenever they call my name. You be there. And he was there because there was no question of give and take there. It was like this is how I sanctify my life. And though Hanuman is just a few years old, possibly one year old with Rama, that's all, because the entire Kishkinda Kanda, the Yuddha Kanda, everything takes place in the last one year of the exile. In spite of having spent just that much time with Rama, he is now in a special position because he is the only Vanara who has not been sent back, who is still remaining in uh, Ayodhya. And on top of that, it's interesting what Swami writes in the. Uh, Ramkatha Rasavahini because even somebody like Bharata you know whom Swami has said that Bharata began to look like Rama because that is the amount of time he has spent thinking of Rama and if that is the amount of time he has spent thinking of Rama in 14 years <coughs> imagine the 16 years before the exile because if I am not wrong Rama was around 16 when the coronation was planned I think so okay. uh, for those 16 years Bharata has spent his time as an inseparable shadow of rama so cumulatively you know bharata must be a super 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 senior considered to hanuman right but even bharata feels that the place that hanuman has in rama's heart uh, they possibly don't have and that is what makes him commit a mistake as swami writes that uh, the brothers along with rama and hanuman are going for a walk in the garden uh, so basically what swami is doing here is he is describing one typical day of rama uh what happens during the day and while describing what happens during the day swami is also describing how the settings and environs are so that we can extrapolate that and just get an idea about how ramaraja would have been if this day is multiplied to go for 20 25 years if these surroundings are everywhere in the whole of bharatavarsha so we have to extrapolate and understand so swami is giving a sample study of how one day is so it uh, in the morning rama would walk along with all these people who are important in decision making 
यू नो बिकॉज दो रामा इज अ रूलर भरत शत्रुघ्न लक्ष्मणा दे विल बी आई एम श्योर मैनेजिंग इंपॉर्टेंट पोर्टफोलियोज इन द किंगडम एंड बाय इन्फ्लुएंसिंग देम रामा विल बी एबल टू स्प्रेड द बेनिफिट ऑफ दिस टू मेनी अदर्स बिकॉज दे हैव सो मेनी पीपल अंडर देम एंड सो रामा वुड स्पेंड सम टाइम विद दीज पीपल with these important people important in the sense that they have influence over so many others in the garden and in the garden bharata is actually wanting to ask a doubt of rama but he's hesitant to ask he doesn't know whether it's right to disturb rama's solitude rama is walking silently he's in a kind of ekanta bliss should i disturb or not and uh, therefore imagine bharata tells hanuman hanuman can you you can you just ask can you just ask rama uh, you know you think it's fine and he is asking rama through hanuman that itself shows the kind of uh, respect and uh, high position that uh, hanuman had in the hearts of bharata lakshmana shatrughna and these brothers though they have spent more time with rama right and as you were saying you know it's a typical uh, uh, situation which ami is describing and this is what i, I said that you know ramraja did not just come to be it was uh, a lot of effort went behind it in in a manner like you know even now when you look at the ashram and you see that so many students are there working around and you know lot of people come and say that this it's very difficult to replicate this uh, model anywhere else because you don't get get this kind of stuff you know lot of people who come even to the studio some professional people who come and talk to us they said it's very difficult to find a group like this because everybody here is having a certain focus in their mind there is a certain amount of you know uh, streamlined ambition in each one of you so you're able to work together like this you will not find it everywhere hmm. this has not come overnight this has been you know swami has toiled for 30 40 years and spending hours every day of his life right in fact swami would say that uh, one of our teachers were telling sanjay sanjay sir was telling us hmm. and swami was speaking to students one day swami uh, suddenly said why do you think i'm spending so much time with you right and uh, Swami, Swami himself asked, "Do you think I'm speaking so much with you because you are from rich families, because you can come and donate to the organization? Am I speaking to you because uh, you're talented? Am I speaking to you because you're good at music?" And Swami finally said, "No, it's none of these reasons. It's only because every time I'm interacting with you, I'm thinking of the benefit the world will have because of me spending time with you." He says, "I'm thinking about Loka Kalyanam." So typically, that's exactly what Rama is doing here, as you were saying that each one of these brothers must be holding important portfolios, and other days there might be other uh, ministers who might be accompanying Rama like this on a walk, and consciously and constantly Rama was infusing values of the highest kind. You know, talking about Treta Yuga, it's nothing close to what we are living right now, but even in that age. you know that wisdom which was pertaining to that age that advice which was necessary for that age rama was giving and coming to this point which we were talking about exactly you know bharata is telling hanuman that i have a question can you ask rama to ask uh, can you ask rama on my behalf mm. right and uh, immediately rama senses that there's something going on behind him and looks at hanuman and says what is it and then hanuman says that bharata wishes to ask you a question and typically as if we know swami we know what rama's response would be absolutely <laughs> i remember on one occasion uh, the warden on behalf of all the students you know the warden uh, asked swami swami please come to the hostel so uh, when he asked that swami said are you asking or are you asking on behalf of the boys now this was a 
tough thing for the warden to handle should he say that i mean i am asking or should he say uh, i am just a representative the boys want so uh, he, he said intelligently he said swami yes uh, on behalf of the boys and i also want swami swami said yes if you want it's okay but you know uh, the way swami responded there it was clear that don't do it just because others want it you know don't uh, be a messenger or a carrier of messages don't think of yourself as that i think if we read even loving god kasturi records an episode where he tried to uh, speak to swami on somebody's behalf and got a booting for that yes it's a he it's a long incident of this person insisting that kasturi take this message to swami and even before kasturi could open his mouth you know swami tells professor kasturi go and tell this person who is standing down you know this happens in the first floor of swami's uh, mandir mm. swami says go down and tell him sir swami has told me to tell you there is nobody who can come between a devotee and swami and when he goes and says this person happens to be a person who is hard of hearing mm. so eventually professor kasturi ends up shouting and screaming this message so that everybody and everybody standing around waiting for swami's darshan gets to hear it <laughs> and today i think it is a need of the hour for this message to be shouted out because across the globe different intermediaries are popping up who seem to promise you a greater connection with swami if only you um, accept them as the intermediary imagine there is an announcement i don't know whether you heard it there's an announcement which constantly goes on in the super specialty hospital hmm. if you st- stand in the corridor where waiting for an appointment with the doctor they play it in three four languages saying that this hospital is completely free the doctors see all patients who come here you don't need to pay anybody anything to come and see a doctor nobody mm. has any influence here by which you can jump the line and come and see a doctor it's because there are so many people who in the garb of patients come inside there and see all these villagers standing there and they go and tell them that i know the doctor you give me 500 rupees i'll make sure that you go and see the doctor before imagine in a normal hospital like this set up by swami there there is a need to do to run an announcement like this because there are always people who who are there to you know juice something out of a perfect system also and what else to say about swami yeah, that <laughs> i think that is that is the uh, selfishness that swami would always say swartham svaprayojanam how can this be useful to me how can i benefit from this but uh, you know prem the more i think of it it get frustrating as to you wonder how do you combat this I mean how do you stop people from being selfish and ruthless in such a noble uh, thing at least you know you go into a business where there is lot of fraud happening lot of selfishness happening lot of so called dirty things happening swami tells us that even in such scenario you be a shining light you be correct but human beings that we are with our weaknesses with our mind failings if we fail there and we also indulge a bit in the fraud indulge a bit in the corruption indulge a bit in selfishness you know one can possibly be forgiven but in a scenario which is entirely meant to be pure and set up by the lord himself where you try to do this cheat gullible people i think uh, you have no idea what to do to solve this but the only con- confidence and comfort i have is what swami has said that nobody can escape from the actions they have done the results of their action because as swami says actions are in your hands but results are in the hands of god i wish that everybody remembers this yeah whatever i want i can do it off because actions are in my hand but let me not forget that the results are in the lord's hand and you know the lord can change results just like this 
हियर रामा एक्चुअली बिकॉज भरता इज सच एन इवॉल्ड सोल रामा गिव्स हिम अ काइंड ऑफ अ सात्विक रेब्यू की फाइ कैन से सो बिकॉज रामा टेल्स हनुमान हनुमान इज दैट सो आई इज भरता वॉन्टिंग टू रियली आस्क अ क्वेश्चन आई डोंट नो बिकॉज आई सी नो डिफरेंस बिटवीन भरता एंड मी यू नो रामा इज टॉकिंग एट एन अद्वैतिक लेवल सो ही इज क्वेश्चनिंग फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल द नीड टू क्वेश्चन एंड सेकेंड इफ एट ऑल द नीड टू क्वेश्चन ऑल्सो uh why why the use of an intermediary because i see no difference between myself and bharata the thing is these kind of satvik rebukes can be used only to people who are evolved enough because bharata immediately realizes the moment rama says oh hanuman why is it that you are saying like this because i see no difference between myself and bharata bharata apologizes profusely he says rama forgive me i have been so foolish i have made a mistake that is speaking about the sukshma buddhi of uh, bharata he is having such subtle intelligence that he is able to understand the rebuke and immediately apologize for it unlike these days where sukshma buddhi has taken on an entirely different meaning altogether no the take the very example which swami is giving here of bharata having a question and he wants the question to be answered and he is asking hanuman if he can get the question answered from rama right so when is the situation when is the time when you will try to use another path to get an answer or to get something done is when you have something which is more important than being directly connected to the lord now if i have a problem and i want that problem to be solved and that is more important that, than whether i'm connected right, or not that becomes more important than the fact that swami can directly talk to me and come and connect to me and when that happens it becomes a need it becomes you know you have something lacking and you are giving an opportunity for somebody to come and make use of you and you know that's i think swami doesn't write it here but probably that's what bharata would have realized that rama is saying that you and i are one i mean the level from which rama is coming is much higher he saying at this time do you want to give more importance to a doubt which you have because that's the question which rama has so you have a doubt and then bharata falls at rama's feet and says i don't have a doubt i have a question see a doubt is different from a question he says it's a question if you wish to answer it you answer it if you don't wish to answer it it's okay right if there's a doubt and you don't answer it then i am close on you yes. right <laughs> he says it's not a doubt it's just a question i think that's what would have run in bharata's mind that it's after all a question if it's not answered it's okay but why am i you know bringing my relationship with rama a level lower by saying that can i ask somebody else to get my question answered See, that is a very very pertinent point because today when i was when i'm faced with any kind of problem be it financial be it health be it uh, relationship be it psychological whatever be the problem if i look behind say about 10 15 years as to what i would have done i would have put it down on a letter i would have written it as a letter to swami and would have sat and try to give it, give it to him because for me come what me i want to offer it to swami now my question is would i be ready to go and say give it to somebody else and say that you know can you give it to swami i would not have done that but i know of some cases in my own uh, in my own family wherein somebody says arvind you give this letter to swami because uh, you know you have got a better chance of accessing swami and i have indeed given to swami also so it looks like as if it's justified but as you rightly pointed out for the person whoever gave me the letter to give it to swami it's obvious that reaching the letter to swami is more important than 
having that own connection with swami then reaching swami then reaching <laughs> swami because i don't care whether i reach swami or not this letter has to reach swami <laughs> so i think though though uh, when you look at it first it looks like a yeah quite normal thing come on they have a problem so great see they you, when they got whatever may be the problem the first thing they do is they write a letter and send it to that boy who is in parthi who can give it to swami on the face of it it looks noble but it just means that you don't have faith in your own lord you don't have confidence that the lord can come to your house you know the other day i was just uh, speaking to somebody when uh, when they said that see you are lucky that you are getting little vibhuti showers at your home itself that is when i remembered prem that when somebody took me to their home first and showed this vibhuti showers coming i was very happy i was touched no doubt but i didn't feel like giving it too much importance because i felt swami if you want to give me you come into my house and give me right if you know the address of this person uh, don't tell me you don't know the address of my house means if i take that i felt that i would be telling swami that swami i'm happy uh, if you give in this house it's enough i'll take this vibhuti and go i'm happy i'm satisfied with this and f- for swami there would be no need for him to come and give at my home i feel because you're anyway satisfied there if you want it like how swami would say don't be satisfied either fall with your effort fall unconscious fall dead with your effort or let the lord give in to your request only one of these two results should happen if you are a true devotee otherwise you are not a devotee here at the slightest given opportunity i am praying swami please bless me oh god i am not getting the blessing two days over over fine in that house vibhuti is supposed to be coming in this place kumkum is supposed to be coming if i go and take it ah, that is swami's blessings it's like i am giving up i am not being a true devotee i remember telling that time that to swami swami in case you don't know the address of my house you are coming in this person's house right you know that address no from there just take an auto rickshaw and tell sai pavan residency he will get you to my house you know that's how i even prayed to swami saying that swami that's close it is you just come but you come here i will not be satisfied and i'm not saying that that is the only reason why vibhuti has come at home but i feel very touched and and the bliss and peace that i feel now now vibhuti is not coming but it need not come i know that if i wish if i want i can connect with the lord and there is nothing that can come between me and the lord and i i feel that this kind of conviction this kind of feeling is invaluable and we should not be ready to trade it for anything in the world absolutely i think the whole idea of coming to swami is you know as swami would say many times it's to make that connect when after making the connect if you go back on this journey and you know again look for some other pujaris to come in between it <laughs> makes no sense but coming back to this thing so that's what happens jabartha falls at rama's feet and you know takes uh, seeks forgiveness for what he has done and then he makes bold to ask the question so the question is what is the question <laughs> but before we come to that the listeners will take a short break we'll play a small bhajan for you just before we play that bhajan you know prem i just thought when you said that about how we come to make a connect with swami and then go back to finding priests or finding intermediaries i was uh, i don't think we have that queued up here but i was reminded of that bhajan which starts with the alap harpal uh, harakshan bhul kare hum pag pag thokar khaye which means every moment every uh, minute i'm making mistakes and bumping into obstacles एक पग आगे दो पग पीछे साई तुम तक कैसे आए आई टेक वन स्टेप फॉरवर्ड बट इमीडिएटली आफ्टर दैट आई टेक टू स्टेप्स बैकवर्ड्स हाउ विल आई एवर रीच यू 
that is what we, are, we will be doing if having got our connect with Swami, we then give up that connect to look for intermediaries to connect. It is perfect case of ek pag aage, do pag piche. <laughs> right, so Dilson, we'll take a break now. We'll come back and we'll discuss that question which Bharata asks and Rama explains. And Swami gives this as a example of the kind of interactions which happen between the brothers after Rama becomes the king. Welcome back dear listeners, we had um, taken the break without revealing what is the question that Bharata asks Rama. Bharata asks Rama, what is the difference between good and bad people? This question, it almost looks like it's not a doubt in Bharata's mind, but for the benefit of humanity at large, I think Bharata asked this to Rama and Rama answers it in great detail. I think the rest of our satsang today will just... Um, uh, get spent in discussing the answer that Rama gives. Rama prefaces the entire answer with a beautiful analogy. 
he says that a good person is like a sandalwood tree while a bad person is like the axe the sandalwood tree lends its scent even to the axe which chops it down and therefore the sandalwood tree is good not only because it is lending scent but also because it is lending scent to those who harm it in the sense a good person is good not only to those who are good to him but even to those who are apparently bad to him and rama says that is the reason why even the gods love to have chandan or the sandalwood paste in between their eyebrows on their forehead the highest possible respect that can ever be given you know to adorn the forehead of the lord that is what happens to sandalwood and on the other hand rama says that though people are not aware at the end of the chopping what happens to the axe it is thrown into the hottest of fires and smashed by the strongest of rods in order to you know sharpen it again so it's like a bad person is he who has the capacity to harm even a good person here the sandalwood tree is giving scent and the axe is harming it at the same time while the sandalwood paste gets the opportunity to adorn the lord's forehead the axe is thrown into the fires where rama is saying that though there are there are qualities of bad people and good people it's not as if uh, it goes uh, unrewarded the good gets its reward and the bad also has to pay for whatever mistakes or sins it has done this is the preface with which rama begins his answer right you know it uh, appears like a very very simple question and as you said seems too generic but mm. you know many times i don't know if you felt that i've had this question trouble literally you know ask this question to yourself i mean are we really good or is it that we are good because we don't have any other option available <laughs> right because actually if you think deeply most of us most of us are good and most of us are good when conditions are conducive to being to be good, good. but when pushed into a corner you know not necessarily just adversity but even too much advantage are we able to hold on to that goodness i think many of us will falter if put in a situation like that I mean i'm not saying that all of us are bad but this description which rama gives one thing to start with the the difference between sandalwood and uh, the axe that is one thing and the other descriptions which he gives will tell us that actually we have a long way to journey before really claiming to be good because in its it's very simple this example which is giving the sandalwood paste gives uh, fragrance even to that which uh, is harming but if you really look at it we are very far from that state of being able to wholeheartedly feel, uh, think of good for a person who is harming us that is one thing and to really be good constantly whether or not the person whom you are interacting with is good and you will see this even in the smallest of things i think in one of the satsang we had spoken about it a simple thing of you going up to a counter and the person in the counter being rude the way you react to that person will be completely different if the person who is sitting there is having a smiling face and is talking politely absolutely that the p- person who is polite will bring out the best in you but you you can't claim that that is your nature your true nature as swami is saying is when an axe comes and cuts a sandalwood tree it gives its fragrance if you are interacting with the worst and the most testing person are you able to bring out i mean is that bringing out the best in you then that is your true nature yeah, i think we are very very far from that at least i can say that about myself <laughs> <laughs> yes and in fact when we listen to how uh, rama narrates the characteristics of good people 
you know prem and i read it i just felt oh god i'm not at all good but uh, the uh, consoling fact was when i read through what all rama narrates of bad people i felt i'm definitely not bad that's because i don't possess all of those negatives yeah i have some of those negatives but i don't have all of those negatives therefore you know i i came to a kind of a compromise this is i must put a disclaimer that this is my own thoughts this is not what rama is saying or not what swami is saying i just felt that uh, even if we have one of the qualities that rama describes as the different qualities of good people it means that there is some goodness in us and if we have even one of the qualities that rama describes as the qualities of bad people i think there is some badness in us so i think we can get a rough idea about how good or how bad we are we are basing on the number of these good qualities that we have and number of these bad qualities that we have so i think uh, let's begin with the good first because rama says that the first thing that rama says is that good men good people they are not fascinated by sensual desires i think that is <laughs> that in itself is such a huge ask actually see uh, swami would say that all that you need to do is just love all serve all and it looks like yeah great i'll just love all serve all but in that love all and serve all you know every kind of deprivation every kind of sadhana every kind of everything difficulty imaginable is built in therefore when uh, as you said when rama says you just have to be like the sandalwood tree that gives perfume to the axe it looks like okay pretty simple but in that one analogy is hidden all these things that rama describes and the first thing is you are not fascinated by sensual pleasures because if you are fascinated by sensual pleasures you know i'm just working backwards if you are fascinated by sensual pleasures then you will seek sensual pleasures when you seek sensual pleasures you have something which are pains so therefore you have the concept of pleasure and pain coming in that is when when the axe hits you and causes you pain you get disappointed because you are seeking sensual pleasure only because the sandalwood tree seeks no pleasure is it able to be uh, neutral to pleasure and pain because it gives no meaning to pleasure and then now we will see how each one of this actually uh, is embodied by the sandalwood tree and that has to be embodied by us in order to just do a simple thing such as love all serve all right you know when sami uses the words here it's so perfect he doesn't say that those who indulge in sensual pleasures are those who are lost in sensual pleasures he says those who are not fascinated by sensual pleasures hmm. right he's not talking about indulgence at all that's like in the later stage he's saying that are you even fascinated by it let's say that uh, somebody is splurging enormous amounts of money on a car or a house or something like that it's very easy for me to sit in the place where i am and in past judgments that's the abhava vairagya right? if yeah. i remember they saying that you know yeah they wasting money on things like that you know there are it's because you don't have the opportunity yeah, to do you it you don't have the opportunity you know generally how the mind works when we think of it you know there is something even when you talk about seeking uh, sensual pleasures most of us will say that we are not seeking that kind of a life hmm. why is it that we are not seeking that kind of a life <laughs> you know because you know the mind works like this there is this thing which fascinates me how much effort actually i should put to achieve that if the amount of effort i have to put is is enormous then i will not you know worry about it i will not seek it i will only be fascinated by it but i will not seek it but if i am at reaching length you know if i it's just a you know hands length away at that time if i am fascinated by it i will try to seek it so even though you know we are all middle class people and say i am not fascinated but can that kind of luxurious life but as long as that fascination for that is there as long as you look at something like that and you might not tell it openly but 
somewhere it is there oh, you know what a nice luxurious life as long as that fascination is there at some point if you're just an arms length away from a luxury such as that you will go seeking for it a case to point here you know prem i i always prided myself into thinking that see i i am not a man of excessive desires i'm happy with what i am and you know take a thing like a phone i used to th- always you know when somebody would ask that uh, are you planning to pick up the iphone i would say that i have only two kidneys and i don't want to donate any <laughs> means making a joke like that's how costly it is and then saying that no i am not you know i am not enamored by that and you know as you rightly said it was because it is it was way beyond my reach the other day my brother you know he he happened to uh, Uh, buy a new phone and he told me that hey you know god i've got this iphone 5c i am not using it so I, i because i wanted to go to the samsung i want to buy samsung i he has bought a samsung the moment that happened you know i told my brother hey, if you're not using that iphone 5c would you mind if i use it he said no problem if you want to use it use it and that's it that's what i'm using now you know and so it's not as if i didn't have uh, that kind of fascination towards it it's just that it was beyond my reach the moment it came within my reach hey here it is he's not using it and he's ready to give it off i grabbed it if i was truly not fascinated by that piece of technology i should have just said <laughs> even if somebody comes and tells here it is you have won this as a prize take it uh, i must say oh, great i won this prize but i must be able to take it and give it off to somebody else that would mean that i'm not fascinated by it as you rightly pointed out it's very important to see the difference between not having it versus not being fascinated by it if we are not fascinated by it even if we have it it's not a problem if we are fascinated by it even though we don't have it it's still a problem exactly and, and probably a, a work around for that is you know when you're fascinated by it let not your fascination be limited by your ability to achieve it but by the disciplines which you put for your mind you know you might still be fascinated let's say there's something which is exorbitantly expensive or even uh, you know physical pleasure which is which is fascinating you but there are some other aspects of discipline which you keep in your mind saying that even when i am in a in in a position where i can attain it let me stop myself because for other reasons it's i am not uh, you know not wanting it because i am not able to get it i am not wanting it because swami doesn't like it and i am not supposed to indulge myself in such things and that will stop even if fascination is there it will stop you from indulging in it in it fact rama to... gives rama gives one possible discipline one possible quality that we can inculcate which will help in this and that he brings it as a second point in the characteristics of good men he says they possess all the best virtues and modes of behavior they will be happy at the happiness of others and they will be sad when others are sad you know empathy is something that rama is speaking about here and that is something that can help us overcome this fascination just imagine i am uh, i am fascinated by a piece of technology if i can get happiness when somebody else is owning it also then that my problem is solved because the very fact that that piece of technology exists somebody owns it and if i am happy with whoever owns it then that's it i won't have that need to possess it or i won't obsess over it i think this is also a good solution where if we grow our empathy then we will be able to ensure that we are not fascinated by sensual pleasures because then the pleasures of whole human kind will become our pleasures at the same time we will also be able to empathize and you know send out our love 
समस्त लोका सुखिनो भवंतू टू अदर्स बिकॉज आवर हार्ट ऑल्सो विल ब्लीड एट अदर्स पेन्स एंड दैट्स प्रिसाइसली द नेक्स्ट पॉइंट इज मेकिंग ऑल्सो यू नो विच विल एड टू दिस बिकॉज ही सेइंग दैट दे लुक अपॉन ऑल विद इक्वल अफेक्शन सिंपल एग्जांपल यू नो लेट्स से डे ऑफ द आईफोन लेट्स से माय फादर गेट्स मी एन आईफोन though he is not using an iphone even though he might not be carrying the iphone in his pocket the fact that i am using it will give him as much happiness as he is using it hmm. why it comes because of that empathy which comes from affection you know it comes from you know my son is using and you know it's as good as me using it comes from that affection and here rama is saying that they look upon all with equal affection if you have that kind of affection to everybody you come across then only will you be able to rejoice empathize and rejoice with their joys it will automatically come and since they look upon all with equal affection they have no enemies and they are not bothered even if foes exist see because enmity is something that i create if i don't if i feel you know swami would often say that i have no enemies in the world i love everyone swami would say and when swami would say that in the beginning you know i used to wonder swami you have no idea there are people spewing venom against you on the internet forget people who are against you some of the people whom you have uh, blessed so much with who has who have benefited from you have now ditched you gone behind your back and they are speaking rot about you there are people like that also what do you mean when you say you have no enemies you know today we realize that enmity is your own thing when swami says i have no enemies swami has no enemies and that's what rama is saying here they have no enemies and they are not bothered even if force exist I may be an enemy for you in your mind but I have no enemies that is what makes me a good man I am a good man if I have no enemies in spite of there being people who are possible and possibly envious of me or who are possibly uh, hateful of me it may be for them but even if they exist I still have no enemies and that is and that comes because I am able to look upon all with equal affection it reminds me of a quote by Abraham Lincoln he says do i not destroy my enemies by making friends with them wow <laughs> right so uh, typically that attitude of when you want to be friendly and when you want to have equal affection to all it doesn't matter if there are enemies because you are out there to destroy them by making friends with them literally you know and it's it's again so beautiful to see how uh, I, to honestly confess when we went through this i thought it's a long piece of discourse which swami has fit in in the form of this conversation but we see how relevant it is you know even going by the description here is swami saying that this is a typical day of rama's life he would spend this day in council such as this but why would swami pick up a topic like this and put it in ramkatha swami because it's so very uh, useful to all of us even today you know this is 50000 years 60000 years ago i don't know how what is the time frame but even today swami says this was one of the conversations and he chooses to pick this one out because it's so very essential for us to Uh, learn from this and and that is the beauty of the ramkatha rasavahini because for every story there are it is not possible for the author to cover all aspects of the story it is simply impossible because to cover one lifetime you need another lifetime how can you sit and write a book within 2 years that covers an entire lifetime how would a normal story of one family takes 3 years in a mega serial <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell about the story of an avatar <laughs> so therefore you see every author therefore picks and chooses what he or she wants and puts that so different authors have emphasized on different aspects be it valmiki be it tulsidas be it kamban all the other people who have written ramayana but it's interesting to see what is swami's focus and i don't think this is something that has been picked by uh, other authors and it's very interesting 
and you know we spoke about how swami said uh, they have no enemies because they look upon all with equal affection and the next statement that rama says a quality of a good person is a quality that will actually help you to look on all with equal affection in the beginning it looked like 10 points prem as you said but now you see it's actually the same point and rama is further dilating on what that point means in order to look upon all with equal affection the next point that rama says is they are endowed with wisdom and knowledge of the objective world and a deep sense of detachment they have wisdom and knowledge because of which they are detached see if you have to look upon all with equal affection like you said uh, your father will not mind you using the phone because he feel you are mine but somebody else takes off the iphone he may actually file a police complaint saying that you know my iphone has been stolen how uh, how is that possible if you are looking on them with equal affection it's not possible to look on each of them with equal affection because you have attachment and in order to overcome attachment what you need is detachment for which knowledge and wisdom is necessary and so rama says a good person is endowed with knowledge and wisdom of the objective world and a deep sense of detachment right in fact i think in in one of swami's vahini swami says that you can't have wisdom knowledge or even bhakti if it is not accompanied by detachment he said these three are like you can't separate them and if any one is missing then the other two are not perfect so that's precisely what swami is saying here wisdom knowledge and detachment and this will result in their hearts being tender and they having compassion towards the weak and the helpless See, again prem i feel this is a perfect time to bring in this point because when we say detachment uh, we tend to confuse it or mistake it for indifference ऐसे है लेट इम बेग आई डोंट आई एम डिटैच्ड दैट्स नॉट डिटैचमेंट डिटैचमेंट इज नॉट गेटिंग अफेक्टेड बाय द रिजल्ट्स डिटैचमेंट डजंट मीन इनडिफरेंस एंड देयरफॉर इट्स सो ब्यूटीफुल दैट रामा मेक्स द नेक्स्ट पॉइंट इटसेल्फ आफ्टर सेइंग दैट दे आर डिटैच्ड रामा सेज बट देयर हार्ट्स आर टेंडर एंड दे हैव कंपैशन टुवर्ड्स द वीक एंड हेल्पलेस आई थिंक इट्स सिंपली ब्यूटीफुल टाइमिंग एंड ब्यूटीफुल प्लेसमेंट फॉर दैट स्टेटमेंट and i think given the next one is very very beautiful because now swami brings in the aspect of devotion he says they adore my feet with purity of thought word and deed they delight in serving me they have no concern with fame or infamy honor or dishonor and this is very very beautiful because you know many times when swami would talk about morality i think a number of discourses especially the samakos discourses and the convocation discourses swami would stress about morality that's understandable that swami would talk about goodness and morality and a point which swami will always stress is morality cannot uh, stay in shape if it is not contained in spirituality unless mm. you know if you want to grow the seed of morality it has to be fostered in the in the soil of spirituality you cannot separate the two and swami has made this many many times you know you can't be good unless you have something which is much much higher which is which you attach this goodness to because it I mean otherwise you will get uh, you know, disillusioned at, at some time selfishness will come in unless you say that i want to be good but i want to be good for goodness sake for you know because that will please swami here yeah. what swami is saying about devotion you know i am doing it as an offering to swami that is the only way that goodness will stay in shape otherwise at some time it's going to be preyed upon by selfishness and self interest and that happens because because the world is so complicated the concept of karma is so complicated that we see that people who are doing good seem to be suffering people who are doing bad seem to be progressing 
that is the reason for our frustration so unless we are doing whatever good we are doing only for swami's sake i don't care whether i get a reward from this i don't care what happens to me because of this i am doing this because it pleases swami then alone will we be able to sustain doing the good otherwise after some time it will dry out right. it'll lead to question like what are you doing good man means how much ever i'm doing it's all in a waste simply i'm breaking my head and trying to do good and this exactly the other point which swami is saying also is so beautiful no? he's saying they have no concern with fame or infamy because many times goodness is supported by fame and infamy fame and uh, you know the name which you get the question is if you will never be found out will you still be doing good and there again is something which many of us might falter that's why swami says the moment you say i'm doing it for swami you're finished you know you you're doing it for somebody who is with you 24 by 7 who is looking at you all the time who is looking at you from within so automatically you are you are separating this idea of goodness for name and fame because you're doing goodness for goodness sake literally because if you're doing it for swami you have to do it every moment every second and i think after this uh rama kind of uh gives out the different ways in in which these thoughts and these feelings and this kind of conviction manifests because rama then says that therefore these people will always be interested in serving others they will never yield to the urge of selfishness even in their dreams i think it's all self explanatory because the explanation that we have gone through till now it results in all the, all of these rama continues to say their actions are transparently simple their hearts are cool and unruffled they yearn for opportunities to renounce what we were talking about just some time back that uh we look at renounce renunciation as something great they yearn for opportunity to renounce and their every moment soaked in joy for them praise and blame is same and rama says brother bharata whoever has these characteristics in him take it that he is of my own nature see that is where, where rama is equating good and god he saying if you are good in this sense then you are no different from me you are god you are not good you are actually god because he says he is of my own nature he is myself i am himself take this to be the truth right in fact the way uh, swami has put it you know it's not like he is like me he is saying that he is my own nature he is myself i am himself So he's saying that it's not a simile. You know, there. It's not like he is good like me. He's good. Uh, he has qualities like me. He's saying that qualities comes because I am inside. You know, you, it's just that this person is allowing more of the divinity from within to shine, and that is why Rama is saying that he is me and I am him. There is no difference here. It, it's like he's changing it from thinking that What? these are the qualities which result in God right. to this is God and therefore these qualities are there. Exactly. and after that i think you know with this we will conclude our satsang because rama says now i will tell you the qualities of bad men i don't think we need to go too much into depth into each of these because they are almost the opposite and rama but he says you know listen you should avoid their company by all means grief will descend upon you as a result of their companionship that is a warning he gives and rama then begins you know they are directly opposites of what we said their hearts will be pained at the prosperity of others <laughs> actually before we go into each of these qualities huh. probably you should tell our listeners don't think that okay this is not for me the good part i've heard this is not for me because <laughs> one point which swami would always emphasize is you know these avatars like rama and krishna came to uh, destroy people who were bad right and swami would say that that is not the case in the kali yuga because bad Everybody. is kind of 
you know, the process of osmosis has gone into every heart. It's there in every heart. So when we read these qualities, I think we'll have to listen to them as, in what way are any of my qualities remotely associated, I mean, I can associate them with these qualities. So it's, first and foremost, we'll be in a position to acknowledge that, yeah, these are things which I have and I can work on. And as uh, the first point which you said, their hearts will be pained at the prosperity of others. I mean, how much ever we deny that that doesn't happen with us, I think all of us have this quality a little bit in us. And it may not actually manifest as, I hate him for being we, so prosperous. We probably might not curse the person who is being prosperous. But we definitely are, why not me? Right. It's some, to some extent that will be there. And, and going back to that first point which Rama made about the sandalwood paste, you know, how many of us really feel happy when somebody who is bad suffers? We feel that, you know, he's got his... He deserved view, it. You know, he uh. deserved it. <laughs> I, I was talking to somebody in the studio the other day. You know, it's. I was thinking it happens only with me, but it seems to be a universal phenomenon. Absolutely. That when you see a movie, you tend to, you know, be more engrossed in the part where the bad man is getting it back. Smashed. Right. Uh. Because you kind of relate to that. You know, when you see a movie, when you like a movie, it's because you relate to the story of the movie or the emotions being conveyed. Many times we are so absorbed in that position, in the part where the hero is coming and giving back to the villain, because we feel that a bad man deserves it. He needs and, to get it. In fact, the other day when I was speaking to another person about one uh, uh, popular movie, mm-hmm. uh, in that movie what happens is it appears as if the villain has been smashed, but it is not. A few minutes later, the villain is actually smashed. So he was referring to that first smashing of the villain that happens and he said... I said, I felt this unfair, man. How could it happen so soon? For all that you have done, you need to suffer more and die. And and then he said, I, I felt so happy that when they actually ensured that he didn't die and they, you know, tortured him to his death. Right. So, uh, this is definitely a case that is true for all of us, at least most of us. Otherwise, the, uh, how will you come across quotes like I came across a quote which says, uh, don't worry if somebody does bad. I am... I'm just, you know, putting it in my own words, not exactly. But it says, don't worry if someone does bad. Karma will definitely take care of him. And if you're lucky, it'll allow you to watch also. (laughs) I mean, you feel that you're lucky if you get to watch somebody suffer the consequence of their karma. That in itself shows how we are uh, that kind of... (laughs) Joy, which we mean, precisely what Swami is telling. And that's why... And we consider it as righteous joy. The first point which Swami made is you don't have a fascination for sensual pressures. And here again, it's the same point. You know, you might not actively indulge in meeting out uh, bad to a bad person. But even that act of rejoicing at somebody else's pain, forget what that person's character is. When you rejoice at somebody else's pain, it's a sign of evil that is present in us. Oh, God. (laughs) Such high standards, Prem. Anyway, the next, uh, when Rama goes on to say that they will delight as much in scandalizing others as in welcoming a fortune. You know, each statement is somewhere in the corner of my heart keeps hitting me here. All of us. <laughs> the six foes of bad men are lust, anger, greed, desire, pride and hatred and are fostered by them and they are ever at their beck and call. They move about and act according to their command, according to the commands of these six. Right. You know, many times we have spoken about uh, when you're comparing Swami's anger and Swami's uh, being upset with somebody and how Swami was always above that emotion and Swami was using that emotion. And this is precisely what Swami is saying, that you will act under the commands of these six. 
that you know it's it's not righteous anger is always there you know you don't run away from it but how much of our actions are born out of compulsion of these six qualities That's whether you, whether you are controlling them and using them as tools the way swami did or they are all controlling you and using you as a tool to manifest themselves right. i think that is a, a thing that we should keep in mind right. and uh, rama says that pity and charity are absent in their makeup they have no pity no charity they pick up quarrels with others with no reason or no provocation they develop enmity even towards those who are good to them as i said these direct opposites of what we discussed <laughs> of the good people here even though there are no provocation they pick up quarrels right and then uh, he goes on to say that their actions are false their utterances are false their dealings of give and take are false their attitudes are hard and they have hearts of stone uh, and highlighting that swami gives an example he says the peacock is charming to behold of course but its cry is pleasant to hear i mean sorry it, it is charming to behold and its cry is pleasant but it kills snakes you know it's it's the most brutal kind for as far as a snake is concerned so to wicked men may you know they may appear to be charming and pleasant but they are eager to harm others and then you know possibly uh, <laughs> and a statement of his own personal uh, experience he says and they are craving for others wives you know craving for others wives or craving for other women craving for such kind of uh, lustful things need not actually be kidnapping somebody and getting them but even you know those words that come those thoughts that arise the eyes that follow in so many such ways this kind of craving manifests itself but till now swami speaks only about qualities you know craving and uh, fascination and all that but here they he says they relish damaging the reputation of others because many times if you look at it this is one act which you can get away scot free you know you don't have to involve yourself much like as you're saying that you crave for another's wife it involves action of going and kidnapping and you know most of us are good enough not to do go to that extent but spoiling somebody's reputation actually does not require much effort from your part you know you can just sit and over a text message you can spoil somebody's reputation and that if you see most of us indulge in very very nonchalantly we don't really think much about it before doing that and here he is talking about involving in something and that is they relish damaging the reputation of others they revel in evil they are evil minded all the time they are the meanest among men and they have no fear of retribution that is one sad part though uh, it exists they are not fearing retribution they are not fearing the karmic consequences and just because they don't you know when they speak of it also they speak as if they are above it but personally in my life as i have said i have definitely seen at least 3 4 people in their old age when they are the most helpless and hapless and when they are in need of so much help all their karma seem to hit them and at that point in time when i look at them you feel oh god why is so much difficulty being cast on this poor old man or poor old woman but as i said we know only the present the past shows and therefore i think instead of fearing or being god fearing we should love god and fear sin because sin has its way of coming up with retribution at that point in time when you are absolutely not prepared to face it i remember on one occasion when i won't go into the details of that but there was this person who had cheated me and when i was speaking on the telephone with this person i told this person see as far as i know i have been good 
I have not had the intention of harming you at all. And I have only been good, but this is what you have done to me. I know I am helpless, I can't do anything against you, but the universe is something that watches everything and all accounts have to be paid. For this act of yours, you will pay and when you are paying, you will also know that it is for this act that you are paying. And I just, I don't know what made me say it. I felt so helpless, Prem, I felt so helpless and hapless, I couldn't do anything to this person. So I am not saying that I did it like a sage. I did it because I couldn't do anything else. But believe me, three years later, not three years, two years later, this person called me, Prem. And this person said, can you take back your curse? I said, what curse? <laughs> he said, you said like this. I said, I didn't curse you. He said, no, no, this is... And then he recounted how when he was the most vulnerable, things happened in the most unimaginable ways and he was put into a lot of difficulty. You know, though I told him that I didn't curse you, I didn't do anything, I felt a little redeemed inside because <laughs> it might be sadistic in a sense, but I just felt... Oh, you know, this concept of karma, this concept of you having to face a consequence of action is very much true. For me, it was a, 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 a verification of something that I have believed in always. So, therefore, Rama says that a bad person is such that he doesn't even fear karma because he doesn't believe in it. He, have no, he has no fear of retribution. When they see or hear about the progress of others, they are possessed by so much envy and they are afflicted with unbearable headache. But when others are caught in calamity, they exult over their sufferings. And all this without having fear of retribution. Right. And then he uh, goes on to say that when others are suffering, they are elated as if they have been crowned kings of the realm. (laughs) They are dominated by the ego. They do not have any thought of helping others even in their dreams. So I... Yeah, I think, you know, these are really black and white qualities to an extent, if you're saying that. But, I don't know if somebody can even uh, find even one or two people in their life to whom they have such feelings. You know, we might not have this generally. Generally, I might not be, uh, you know, happy when somebody is suffering or things like that. But is there at least one or two people with whom you might have, have this feeling? one or two of these at least. Right, and I think it's something which we can work on. Then The most important, before we conclude, Prem, I think... This, because uh, Rama says, they feel disgust at the very mention of good personages or God. Their intellects are dull and their conduct is reprehensible. You know, this kind of God bashing, this kind of smashing uh, uh, saints, sages, it seems to become like a modern trend. The other day, one of my own classmates, uh, for the reason that I should not be guilty of gossiping, I won't take the names, I won't do anything, I won't tell where he's from. But when I happened to meet, I was really shocked, Prem. He was speaking like an Advaitin. He was telling about what God, what is this? There's nothing, I am God, you know, that kind of thing. That is fine. But you know, he referred to Swami as the old man. He referred to him as what did we do? I was very shocked because... I felt that this is a person who has directly benefited. Forget forget Swami as God. I mean, if there is a person who has helped me in five years of my education, just for that sake, I will be grateful to him. If not anything, I will not speak bad about him. And he was speaking bad just to show that for me, it doesn't matter whether it's Swami or Sand, because both are the same. I felt, you know, I felt that this is some kind of misguided philosophy because if you are definitely an, a realized soul... You will know that I am not a realized soul. You will know that I have pains and sorrows and you will have compassion on me and not hurt me by talking ill of a person who is life for me. I felt that. And that is why, you know, today when I read this, I felt, yeah, that is there. 
so rama says that one of the qualities is they feel disgust and they at the very mention of good personages or god you may call it as being scientific you may call it as being atheistic but whatever be the reason when you feel disgust towards good personages and towards god you can be sure that you are a bad man that is what rama is saying right and finally he concludes with something which is very very apt for us he says such people can be observed in large numbers during the kali yuga <laughs> right? so pin as i as we started by saying that you know it's one thing to say that i don't have any of these qualities and to seriously look at ourselves and sincerely think you know that's why the most important quality if you want to progress spiritually is honesty with oneself you know if you seriously sit and think if put in a position where i can take advantage over another person if put in a situation where i can uh, stamp over the other person and go forward will i do it or not do it and ask it sincerely when I mean, you don't have to tell anybody else ask it sincerely and i think that is the best way to see whether we have these qualities and and to see if we are progressing you know if we are asking ourselves i came to swami so many years back have i progressed today and i'm sure that if you ask these questions your answers today will be much different from the answers you would have given before you came to swami and i think that is a sign for all of us and to see are we really progressing every day is to ask these questions over and over again and i think how much time rama spent with bharata and lakshmana and shatrughna in the in the garden we have also spent uh, on the beautiful thoughts that he shared dear listeners a few more thoughts like this that rama shares and uh, that is what has been captured by swami in the ramkatha ratnavahini possibly a few more of them we will uh, discuss during the next ramkatha ratnavahini which is next week and then we also will progress with the story um with that dear listeners we offer our gratitude to swami to lord hanuman who is present wherever the ramkatha is sung we pray to swami that with him in our thought in our words we should progress and go ahead the way he has suggested the way he has commanded i remember a speaker in kulvanthal saying that there are four f's follow the master face the devil fight till the end finish the game he beautifully said that even if sincerely we are able to do the first step which is follow the master we will automatically face the devil we will automatically fight till the end we will automatically finish the game and come out victors so i found that thought very beautiful and i feel that that should be our focus whatever happens we should love swami with all our hearts and swami we pray that every moment of our life may our love for you keep growing stronger and stronger so we we will uh, end now dear listeners with this uh, bhajan on the other side of which is the segment love to love <laughs>